1: hey hey welcome back everybody it is episode 53 of the announcer schedules podcast i'm your host mike gill along with phil Demont mollen from at announcer skids on twitter of course you guys all follow phil you guys know the deal rate review subscribe leave us a little message and let us know how we're doing on the show this is episode 53 but before we get to it Look back at episode 52. We had Kate Scott on. If you want to go back to the archives and listen to Brian Boucher, he was on episode 51. Pat McCarthy from the Mets radio team was on episode 50. We had Mark Jones on episode 48 uh, and a ton of other great interviews. Just go back through the archives and check those out. And Phil. 53 is here, which means we've crossed over one year. 52 would have given us uh, one full year. And now at 53, as we make that crossover and uh, the summer is here, we've got uh, the draft tonight. We're recording on Thursday as we normally do on last word on sports. You can check out the website. TJ Reeves has last word on sports media this week. JT, the brick was on there as a guest, a a great radio guy. uh, And of course, uh, tell me a story I don't know what George Offman drops on Tuesday's last word on sports media drops on Wednesday, and we record on Thursdays generally and drop today. Phil, what is happening, man?
0: Hey, uh, going great, Mike. Uh good to be with you. And yeah, you mentioned sort of getting started about a year ago, and it was during this time of the year, during the, the summer. You know, a lot of people think, Oh, well, the NBA and the, the NHL playoffs are in the books and there's nothing to do until football comes around. I beg to differ. There's plenty of sports on television if you're into this kind of thing. As you mentioned, the the NBA draft tonight, and yeah, looking back this past week, a couple great conversations on our podcast network here. You know, the one we were able to enjoy with with Kate Scott, and then JT the Brick uh, enjoyed both those tremendously. Uh, Kate Scott, you know, the more I kind of thought about our conversation with her. It's pretty remarkable, you know, how far she's come. But I think the ceiling is way higher than where she's at now. You know, the vibe I kept on getting was she's on her way to bigger and bigger things as her career continues, Uh, just a a class act all the way around, Uh, certainly kind of a fearless attitude as far as whatever assignment gets thrown her way. And yeah, I can see her eventually Being on an even bigger platform than she is today, which is pretty big, being the voice of the 76ers, the Women's World Cup this summer on Fox. She's now got the preseason television gig as well with the Seahawks, succeeding Kurt Menefee. So, big things to come from Kate Scott. We got a lot of great response from that interview as well. Appreciate everybody tuning into that. If you haven't heard it, you might want to. Look back on the archives and check it out and, you know, was able to see just how beloved she is throughout the industry and also uh, with the, the fans out there and a lot of love from her home region in the Bay Area as well where she came up, you know, and and as a uh, student at Cal Berkeley and so forth. So, um, big thanks again to to Kate Scott. You know, Mike, I know she's, you know, local for you in the Philadelphia area. You know, as you got to reflect a little further on on our conversation with her, any additional thoughts there? Yeah, well, one, you talk about bigger things for her
1: down the road, and you wonder, you know, is she going to outgrow the 76ers, right? I mean, uh, that would be something. No, she, I think she really enjoys being the voice of the Sixers, uh, she has really ingrained herself uh, to all the teams, and and uh, obviously now she said um, she said during the podcast, you know that third year she feels like she's going to have her most comfort. Obviously, uh, after the first two, you're kind of finding your way, but now she feels like this year she's going to be really. Uh, the most comfortable she's been. So looking forward to see what she brings uh, to the broadcast here. And then, yeah, the versatility. I mean, to be able to do hockey, uh, now she's going to do the World Cup this year, uh, football, college football. Uh, really a remarkable story uh, of a young girl who was like, you know, hey, I'm going to go down another road. And her mentor, who she mentioned, saying, hey, no, 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 you need to go down this road and to see where it's kind of led her. Uh, I'm looking forward to where it leads her from here, uh, because obviously she's hit and checked off a lot of boxes. But, uh, yeah, I, I think her drive and determination was came th- very much through in our conversation uh, back on episode 52, which you can go check back. Uh, in the archives. And, you know, I mentioned JT the Brick. Now, JT's a guy that I grew up listening to. I think it was old Sporting News Radio. used to listen to him at night. Um, And uh, TJ Reeves had an interesting conversation with him on Last Word on Sports Media. You know, on a day after, I guess they recorded maybe yesterday, it dropped yesterday, you know, ESPN Radio just announced they're scrapping their morning show uh, with Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams. You know, I'm interested to see, like, JT's thoughts on the direction of radio and broadcasters. We see The Athletic, you know, cut 4% of their uh, writers. You know, we're in a situation there's a lot of flux going on and a lot of broadcasters are are kind of looking at, uh, you know, where do I fit in?
0: Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed that conversation with JT The Brick. It brought me down memory lane, what what T.J. and J.T. Were, were going through a bunch as far as, you know, the history of national syndicated sports radio and kind of, you know, how people bounce around in, in, in sports radio and that sort of thing. J.T. The Brick's a fascinating story, and you can hear him give all the details on that conversation with, with T.J. Reeves. He began as a caller on the Jim Rome show and for, in fact was you know the first winner of Jim's uh smack off which is such a uh, a big deal with with you know his uh listeners and, and so forth and even before that a fascinating story JT the brick he worked at a uh stock uh broker up in New York City the same little brokerage that was the uh, basis of the movie Boiler Room. So he came from that background and then became a caller on the Jim Rome show. And next thing you know, he's hosting overnight shows on national syndicated radio. He talks a bunch about his relationship with the late Andrew Ashwood, who was a program director um, down in the market that I was in, down in, in Miami for a bunch of years at 560 WQAM. And then uh, JT's, you know, just kind of overall uh, story is a, is a fascinating one. And as you mentioned, Mike, you know, I don't think people realize just how tumultuous the world of sports talk radio is. You, you know, you, you work in that environment and you've been, um, in it for your whole career, and I've got a bunch of friends, you know, who either used to work in the in the industry, or, or a few of them who still do. And it's a doggy dog world, and you know, there's all sorts of up and ups and downs and roller coaster rides in terms of you know management and layoffs, as you mentioned, and, and things like that. And for guys like JT the Brick to to still be going strong, and you can really hear sort of how he's um, so grateful you know, to still be able to do what he loves as well. What was fascinating to hear, but yeah, as you mentioned with those, um, that news on the ESPN radio front and probably more of that kind of thing to come, it, it's a tough, tough business that I don't think people quite realize, you know, how, how difficult it can be to to pull it off in the sports radio talk show world. Yeah, it is definitely a tumultuous uh, existence
1: for some people, which is why some people like me, you know, um, I got into this because I did play by play, you know, in college, I did play by play. And then you're kind of, Hey, do I want to be the guy that travels from, here, there, you know, making fifty bucks a game to do a couple of uh, independently games in, in Iowa, then go into you know some people just don't want to you know go that route. Now today, you can do ESPN Plus or you can do um, some of these other kind of out- outlets where these streaming service allow you to kind of stay in the region that you want to kind of call home. And I think that is a big difference now where people can kind of just say, hey, I want to get into play-by-play, and I have a lot of avenues. Um, I still do a lot of play-by-play. I'd like to do more if anybody needs somebody out there. I certainly would love the opportunity to call more games. I think many people, um, the art of calling a game is much different than than, than doing a uh, three- or four-hour talk show. Um, but, yeah, it is a time in the industry where if you're a play-by-player – You know, there's almost uh, more opportunity now than there is as a a radio talk show host. And you're seeing now ESPN Radio um, really de-emphasizing their radio product. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's kind of what's going on here. And we've been seeing it as a programmer for an ESPN radio station. You know, the morning show has changed over multiple times. You know, Mike Greenberg does the midday show, but he's really only there. I mean, 50 percent of the time. I mean, half the time he's not even there. Um, That's a hard way to kind of brand your radio station where they're de-emphasizing the radio product. And uh, we'll see where that um, industry ends up taking us. But, you know, you can't I always say you can't replace local talk, you know, on the national stick or talking national, local talk sports talk radio should always have a place. Um, so we'll see uh, if if stations kind of reemphasize local talk with these national stations really deemphasizing it more. But the play by play side, I think there's a lot of great opportunities out there with all of these, you know, streaming services and even like what I work for a, an outlet called BFA Sports. It's just you know a a very localized. Um, outlet that that does play by play a lot of play by play and you know it gives you a chance to do a talk show and i get to do play by play in my free time so it's a cool dynamic there
0: yeah i i totally um understand you know sort of the trends of the the business and in that kind of thing and you know as you mentioned the the de-emphasis i don't Necessarily agree with it, but uh, I realize it's a reality and it's happening. My hope is that it doesn't become a de-emphasis of the live sports programming on national radio syndicates that we talk about a ton on the, the show. You know, the Westwood Ones, the ESPN radios, the Sports USA, uh, Compass, that kind of thing. Um, I still think that is such a valuable product, you know, and it's the same way that on television. The live sports is the one bulletproof property across all the television, you know, uh, not just across sports television, but across all the television. It's the only thing people tune into in real time anymore, you know, and I think the same applies on the radio side. Um, and and hopefully, you know, there's not cutbacks in, in those resources. And, uh, you know, that would be kind of my realist view of you know where i i hope this thing uh continues to to um you know stay afloat uh would certainly be on the the live radio event side and and as you said you know th- you know that that's a um a hopeful um idea as well that you know perhaps the pendulum will swing back to more local coverage as a result of all this as well. You know, you, you can follow the same sort of trends when it comes to the print and newspaper world also. And it's kind of interesting as that pendulum swings back and forth. But, you know, only time will tell. But bottom line is it's a it's a tough industry all the way around. And to everybody who, who's continuing to grind and, you know, hold on for dear life and all these things, um, hats off to you. And and Best of luck to everybody out there who's who's trying to make a go out of here. And uh, we obviously try to get broadcasters on this show to tell you uh,
1: little tips and little things that they have done uh, over the years to try to uh, make it in this business. So uh, make sure, you know, you always tune in here to the announcers schedules podcast. Here on Last Word on Sports. Coming up, uh, we're going to talk a little NBA draft, which has now become, you know, kind of a signature event for the NBA offseason. Some MLB, uh, the College World Series, you know, NASCAR is having uh, some stuff. The USFL, we talk about giving broadcasters uh, um, a chance to, uh, to kind of make waves. So we got all that. Here Again, like, rate, review, subscribe, uh, and uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you download your podcast. Give us a five-star review, rate, review, and subscribe to the show as we bring it to you every week here on Last Word on Sports. Um, all right, we're going to take a look at uh, what is happening. The NBA draft, as we record today on a Thursday, is tonight, and it's going to be an all-day event starting at 5. The NBA Today on ESPN, Cassidy Hubbard, Kendrick Perkins, Richard Jefferson. ESPN Radio, we'll have Alan Hahn, Mark Kesteser, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, Jay Billis, J.J. Reddick, Bobby Marks, um, the um, whole team on the ESPN main telecast. Excuse me, will be Malika Andrews, Adrian Wojnarowski, Jay Billis, J.J. Reddick, Bobby Marks. On ESPN Radio, it'll be Alan Hahn, Mark Kesteser, who's been a guest of this podcast. P.J. Carlissimo, Corey Alexander, Seth Greenberg. They'll be on the radio side. And then on ABC, which will have a little bit more in-depth storytelling, that'll be Kevin Nagandi and Stephen A. Smith will uh, be a part of the ABC. So the NBA draft, Phil, they are uh, putting a lot into this as they're doing it starting at 5 Uh, ESPN Radio, ESPN Television, and then, of course, ABC TV uh, with a little special stream as well. And NBA TV, let's not forget about them. They've got a three-hour preview show. That's Jared Greenberg, Andy Katz, Brendan Haywood, uh, Jonathan Wasserman, Matt Weiner, Steve Smith, and Tyler Rooks, all throughout the night. So if you want NBA draft coverage you've got it and uh phil you can kind of talk a little bit about how uh espn
0: and nba tv they're they're you know this is a signature jewel event of the offseason for the nba yeah you know we touched on this a little bit you know a while back when when it came to the nfl draft and sort of you know how ESPN and and ABC and also the NFL network goes about things and same situation here in in a lot of ways uh, with ESPN, obviously pouring all sorts of resources into this event. Um, Cool to see that ESPN radio is going to make a a big production out of it as well. And then NBA TV, they'll have a three hour pre. Pre-show, and then they'll have updates throughout the draft. I guess they're going to have like little cut-ins because I I check their schedule, and it, it seems like there's some other programming on when the actual draft is happening, and that main ESPN telecast is happening. And then they'll come back on for a uh, review show at 11 p.m. You know, I know some people are real junkies when it comes to this draft, and between all all this coverage, all the mock draft stuff leading up to it, um, I think NBA TA. TV's doing, like, mock draft stuff all day long today and that kind of thing. Uh, there's plenty of content for you to, to digest, uh, that's for sure, and yeah, big big signature event uh, when it comes to to the NBA, no doubt, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what the ratings are, are like uh, tonight, but I'd imagine, uh, with all the hype I've been seeing coming into this one, this will probably be one of the better drafts as of late. Yeah, we got Victor Wambanyama is uh, probably the biggest name since LeBron James uh,
1: that you're talking about, a generational difference type of player Uh, and then you know so there's not a lot of drama at the top of the draft but then you got Scoot Henderson who many people think would be the number one pick in the draft in almost any draft had it not been for this seven foot five uh, Victor Wambanyama so it should be some storylines leading when that second pick happens as the draft always kind of brings but uh, Phil take us back a little history of the draft
0: because it's kind of bounced all over the place uh, going all the way back to 1980. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a TV product that just year in, year out, you could count on, and yeah, if you're if you're uh, the history type, it all started in 1980, the first year of the, the NBA draft on TV, and that was the same year that the NFL and NHL draft got started as well, so I guess all the leagues sort of figured out at the same time along with the, the networks that, hey, uh, this could work on, on television. Obviously, it's come so far since then. Uh, it spent some time on USA Network in the early 80s, uh, then was over on TBS, then TNT took over uh, the show from 1990 to 2002, certainly, you know, Ernie Johnson, a big, big part of, of those broadcasts. But ever since 2003, it's been on ESPN uh, and or ABC. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see as ESPN continues to, to hold on to this product. You know, they, they value it tremendously. It creates all sorts of, you know, shoulder programming opportunities for them as well. And, you know, I'm sure it'll it'll be a, a big show tonight. All right, uh, NBA draft tonight uh, was we record
1: on this uh, Thursday here. I like the draft. I'm a big draft guy. I love you know the intricacies of putting a team together and all the trades and you know teams are now uh, you know you talked about the broadcasting how basketball, hockey, football is over. Well, the off season for broadcasters, who's going where? We saw it last year with you know Troy Aikman going to Monday Night Football with Joe Buck. You know, well the NBA is now having their off season as well, and it really starts tonight uh 30 years ago this week uh tell us about what
0: happened a huge moment in the nba yeah just a couple days ago june 20th 1993 believe it or not 30 years ago uh a just um epic moment when it came to the Bulls dynasty as they clinched their third straight title with a win over the Suns. Uh, Michael Jordan, obviously, you know, the, the star of that team, uh, Scotty Pippen, but the game winner by John Paxson. And uh, what a moment, what a call. Marv Albert, of course, on the play-by-play, and uh, you'll hear also his analyst, Mike Fratello, on this clip. The Suns,
1: Has come down of this possession. They want Michael to get a full head of steam, try to keep him in the middle of the floor. Well, Pepper got the snap. Here's Paxson for three. Yes! The Bulls take a one point lead, and Phoenix falls for time with three and five tenths seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. John Paxson converts a three pointer in Chicago 99. And Marv Allard and the Czar, Mike Fratello
0: on that call. That was the NBA on NBC. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the following year, 1994, we we just tweeted out this clip: uh, Rockets Knicks. You'll remember that one. You know, famous, of course, for the you know OJ chase during the middle of that that NBA. Finals. Uh, Marv Albert's partner for that one was Matt Gukas, and on this date, as we're taping, June twenty second, nineteen ninety four, Rockets Knicks game seven, and the Rockets were able to to win that one. Uh, so, if you want to check out an old clip, there, Marv Albert and Matt Gukas, the analysts in nineteen ninety four. So, uh, always fun to go down memory lane uh, this time of year. You can you can look back and and check out what was happening in past NBA finals in particular.
1: Yeah, I know, uh, what's today, the 22nd, uh, that was also uh, a game seven. Uh, the Rockets, Hakeem Olajuwon, they won their first NBA title. They beat the Knicks on in game seven of the NBA Finals uh, on uh, June twenty second, nineteen ninety four. So uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, this has been a big day in NBA history. Uh, so I, I do remember that ninety four, the Olajuwon, because of course that was no Michael Jordan that year so uh, somebody else got to win an NBA championship all right let's get into some baseball because as you mentioned uh, nobody else is in their live seasons but baseball we got a lot of it now uh, including tonight you got some MLB network uh, of course the Apple TV stuff this weekend uh, starting Friday night and all the streamers and some uh, live stuff on the, the TV side on Saturday and Sunday
0: yeah, MLB Network national game tonight. The way these work typically is it's usually not a exclusive national broadcast when it's one of these MLB Network national games. In other words, it's out-of-market only. So, you know, the the nation will get to watch Mariners and Yankees tonight as we're taping on Thursday, uh, Bob Costas, Tom Verducci, and John Morosi on that call. But if you're in Seattle, you know, the Mariners market, you'll get Root, uh, Northwest, you know, your usual broadcast, I'm assuming uh, former guest of the podcast, Dave Sims, will will, will likely be handling Matters there. And then if you're in the New York market, you'll get the Yes Network with, with Michael Kay and company. Uh, so that's how typically those MLB network games work. However, when the game's on... TBS during the weekdays. It's usually, you know, the entire nation gets the game. Same with ESPN, uh, Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, Costas, by the way, who's on the call tonight for Mariners Yankees on MLB Network, he also had Braves and Phillies uh, earlier this week, along with. Ron Darling over on TBS. So um, interesting in terms of the, the action tonight. And then there's more Apple TV Plus action tomorrow. Pirates Marlins, the Alex Faust uh, crew will have that one. Mets Phillies in your market uh, will be Wayne Rendazzo. You know, the Mets, the, the team he used to broadcast all those years, uh, will be on the call for that one along with Dontrell Willis and Heidi Watney. And then all sorts of action this weekend, including Major League Baseball in london have you have you had a an eye on that at all mike you know the the mlb heading over to london no i, I you know and I,
1: but i did see they've made some announcements that they're going to try to expand that and do some more uh, international games in the future i think i i think i saw germany they're kind of shooting for uh because there's been a lot of success with the with these games um I did see one other game. I think they're going to play it like an old Negro League stadium somewhere down the road here as well. That looked really, really cool. Um, And they're they're trying to do these things where they play these games in in like these kind of unique settings. We know the Field of Dreams they've done. They do the uh, uh, Williamsport game uh, at the Crosscutters Field. So, yeah, all these little uh, jewel events that they're trying to create some buzz.
0: Yeah, and, you know, this weekend, this game in London, or actually a whole series in London, Cubs and Cardinals the big news from a broadcasting standpoint is the game on Saturday uh, Fox pregame show starting at 12 p.m. Eastern time will be the debut of Derek Jeter. As a studio analyst with that crew, along with Kevin Burkhardt and A-Rod, David Ortiz, Tom Rinaldi, of course, (laughs) you'd expect him at an event like this, given reports, but, you know, a a highly anticipated debut for, for Derek Jeter, obviously a big, big name there, and then the game itself, Joe Davis, John Smoltz, Ken Rosenthal, Fox's number one, Major League Baseball. Team will have that Saturday at 1 o'clock. And then Sunday morning, if you're up for, for more Major League Baseball, Cubs Cardinals in London, Michael K. and A-Rod in the booth handling hmm. the actual game call with Tim Kirkjian reporting. And uh, no Peacock game this week as a result of that. So, you know, MLB you know going with the game in London, 10 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN. ESPN uh, also has Astro-Dodgers on Sunday night. Uh, the usual Sunday night crew there, Ravage, Prez, Cohn, and Olney. ESPN Radio, both Saturday and Sunday night, Astros-Dodgers, Roxy Bernstein, former guest of the podcast along with D- Doug Glanville.
1: Yeah, um, One thing that uh, I, I laugh about Renaldi because you said he's doing the uh, pregame show and, and that's in London. I'll be disappointed if Renaldi's not in London at noon and that the Astros-Dodgers uh, game on Fox uh, for the seven fifteen. That would be That would be uh, peak Tom Rinaldi going from one event to another and, and brought on uh, reporting on both. But yeah, the London game Sunday, 10 a.m. Now that interests me a little bit. And then the Michael K okay, Rodriguez, we know they do that, you know, A-Rod cast or whatever, but they were the team last year that did the Phillies Cardinals wild card series.
0: Yeah, so they obviously have a lot of chemistry together and that kind of thing. It'll just be a different environment uh, than you're used to seeing on that K-Rod cast. And, yeah, that's, that's kind of funny with Rinaldi, of course. You know, you're alluding back to his travels during the, the World Cup, you know. Yeah. Compared to Qatar back to the States and back and forth from there, this is – uh cake all right let's go to where do we want to go oh quickly
1: MLB uh, the race um, they, they finally have rounded out their radio team as we told you back um, you know a few months ago the passing of their longtime radio voice Dave wills uh, he passed and they
0: have now rounded out uh, that uh, the broadcast team yeah, so Andy Freed and Neil Solins are now in the booth um, as far as the Rays broadcast. And so what that left was an opening as far as that pre- and post-game show host, that you know, that most broadcasts have as well. Yes, and- so we had Pat
1: McCarthy on the show uh, in episode 50, and he's one of those guys that does the pre- and post for the Mets. He also does some kind of pinch hitting, if you will, as a play-by-player
0: when, you know, the lead voice has to do, you know, something else. Yeah, and typically that's how it works. You know, we talked about uh, Boog Shambi on, on a, a recent episode as well. That's how he got his start, you know, with the the Marlins once upon a time. And, you know, as far as the Rays goes, another example of a minor league broadcaster being rewarded, we always like seeing this kind of thing, Chris Adams Wall, who had spent, you know, the last seven, eight years with the Rays Double A affiliate I love this name, the Montgomery Biscuits down in Montgomery, Alabama. Well, he's been rewarded by being called up to the the big leagues, and he's making his debut this weekend with Ray's Radio.
1: Cool stuff there. Always like to hear uh, people getting new opportunities.
0: Let's go to, speaking
1: of new opportunities, uh, the College World Series, always a gem of a opportunity for many broadcasters. Many people, Kevin Kugler has been on our show saying that that Omaha uh, World Series kind of launched his career. Mike Monaco, who's been a guest of the show, uh, it's called uh, College World Series Games, and uh, he did the final call as Florida defeated TCU. Uh, in that game uh, last night. Let's take a listen to Mike Monaco, former guest of the announcer schedules podcast. Here it is. O2 oh, pitch. Mike Monaco with that call there. What a great play to end that game, and I thought he nailed it.
0: Yeah, a wild play to end that game. You know, in most parks around the country, not just college baseball parks, but also Major League Baseball parks, that would have been a home run. That's a very big park. Uh, very pitcher friendly in Omaha and you know edge of your seat type stuff uh, an elimination game for for TCU so they're bounced out Florida moves on to the, the championship series they'll take on the winner of LSU in Wake Forest that goes off tonight uh, kind of interesting up against the NBA draft on an ESPN platform so over on ESPN2 if you get bored waiting in between those you know <laughs> draft picks you can flip over to LSU and Wake over on ESPN2 Carl uh, ravage and Prez, Kyle Peterson, and Chris Budden on the call. There, Westwood One has it as well. We've talked about this. You know, it's a it's a localized crew. They use you know local Nebraska-based announcers for all these preliminary games. John Bishop, Mike Farron, and Gary Sharp on the call, and then uh, Westwood One for the championship series three game. Uh, best-of-three situation there beginning Saturday. They'll bring in Kevin Kugler, as you mentioned, along with Scott Graham, and then John Bishop, uh, who's the the local, he'll handle reporting duties. And then kind of interesting on the TV side, you know, you talked about Mike Monaco. We'll see him on Sunday, and that's a potential championship uh, clinching um, scenario uh, if a team's able to win in two games that Mike Monaco could have have the call ravage and eduardo perez they'll head back to uh handle sunday night baseball on sunday so a lot of travel for ravage and company you know they'll do the game one of the championship series the world series in omaha on saturday uh then monaco and uh kyle peterson chris burke and chris budden will handle game two and then if it goes to a game three on monday Ravitch and company will be back uh, on the call. So interesting how that all shakes out, and a potential big opportunity for for Mike Monaco to perhaps call, you know, some history if if indeed it's clinched in two. Yeah, and
1: uh, you know, I I, I think uh, Monaco did a great job on that call. There uh, would like to see them, you know, Carl uh, and and Eduardo. They do a great job on Sunday night baseball, but hey, I'd like to see them kind of be the Sunday night baseball crew and give the college crew their own kind of identity here uh, instead of kind of splitting it up like that, and hey, you know we need you to kind of pinch hit here, but uh, I I like the call. Uh, I watched a lot of the College World Series. Monaco did a great job. Uh, I I saw Carl Ravage was getting a lot of heat for one of his calls. He actually had a little fun with it the other day. I don't know if you caught this. Uh, He he had the walk-off call uh, that really wasn't a walk-off. Let's play that for you. And this one is hammered
0: to And wins it. TCU, I should say, in a walk off. Top half, that's
1: right, not bottom. 3 1 shot, though, puts him on top after it felt like they
0: were down and out. 6 5. Blaze Brothers. People that are
1: stunned right now here at Charles Swamp. What an at bat. Talking about the nine hole hitter, and we said it all along. He's not the typical nine hole hitter. All right, there's the call right there. And you know, you kind of get lost in the moment there. He thinks it's a walk off in the bottom of the ninth and it's the top of the ninth. But I'll give Carl credit. First off, he, he hit the call pretty well, he nailed the call on the home run. Uh, and, and then he makes the call he obviously has the innings mixed up and he gets called out for it but he did acknowledge hey I made a mistake that one's on me so I give him double credit one for hitting the call he nailed the call and two for not trying to make an excuse he
0: said you know what that one's on me way too much heat in my opinion for you know what it was and you're right I think he handled it as as well as possible as far as realizing the mistake and and so forth I'm kind of just looking back on his you know uh quote tweets here and you know andrew marchand of the the new york post you know uh wrote this was a tough one for carl ravage and that kind of you know got got a bunch of attention and ravage quote tweets it and says hey it was all on me come back and do it again tomorrow my bad you know so owning up to it and then you know a uh, another uh you know just fan i guess on on twitter or um Actually, I'm. I, I apologize. An, an MLB Network um, voice, Victor Rojas, says, "Hey, don't apologize for getting caught up in the moment. Shit happens. Seriously, who cares? We're not curing cancer behind the mic. We're just trying to do the very best we can uh, out in a live setting. Welcome to being human. Regardless, it was a great." Uh, game, and Ravage responds, um, I apologize to the amazing crew. I wasn't planning to reference a walk off, and then my eyes saw everyone jump the railing, and my mind was then convinced the game had ended. Not an excuse, but an explanation. I'll try to do better tomorrow. So, you know, I thought he handled it as well as possible, being kind of transparent as far as everything that happened on Twitter, but, you know, hey, much more reaction <laughs> to this than I think. Or I mean, we've heard way you know bigger mistakes oh, yeah. on on live television and radio than this, and it kind of got a little too much attention. And you know, some of these fans of some of these teams, um, you know, just kind of uh, love to pile on the announcers and, and that kind of thing. So you, you've got to have thick skin. Kate Scott talked about that, yeah. you know, and just let this stuff roll well, off. and your, this your is one of those. Move si- on.
1: This is one of those situations, Phil, where. You know, you get, like you just said, you get guys who are hardcore college baseball fans and they follow the sport all year long. They put the microscope even more on a guy like Carl who is perceived to be an MLB guy and that he shouldn't be infiltrating into our game. So those guys even come at you even harder. That happens a lot. You know, um, you get people who are casual MMA fans. And if you're not in the MMA world, those MMA guys will come after you, you know, as you don't belong here. You shouldn't be talking MMA. You shouldn't, you know, call MMA. Same with hockey. Same with anything. If you're... Kind of infiltrating a sport and you're not perceived to be in that world they're extra hard on you and and you know in that moment you see these college baseball guys uh, in those programs that bleed college baseball there maybe there's some areas of the country where college baseball is life for these people and they perceive a guy like Carl infiltrating the sport is I saw some tweets you know stay in your MLB lane get out of our sport but I thought he handled it pretty well by the way I thought he did a great job on the call I mean he nailed the call uh hit it perfectly he just you know kind of got wrapped up in the moment so uh we uh and by the way Carl Ravitch was a guest of the podcast if you want to go back and listen to his journey to the booth uh we had that back for you uh here on the announcer schedules podcast and Carl Ravitch, uh, we had him on right back before he was getting ready to call the Phillies uh, playoff game. I remember um, trying to remember, eh, you know, that might have been back in, I guess, around October-ish. If you want to go back to October and check that out uh, on the podcast is when we had Carl Ravitch uh, here on the announcer schedules. All right, let's get to NASCAR. We've had some NASCAR guys on. Rick Allen was a guest of uh, the podcast. That was way back in the beginning Uh, The early stages of the podcast, he was on in episode number
0: seven. We're talking NASCAR on NBC. Well, speaking of Rick Allen, he'll be making his 2023 debut this coming weekend along with the NBC crew as they take over coverage from Fox. It begins this weekend at the Nashville Super Speedway, Rick Allen, you know, will handle the, you know, the lap by lap announcing Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Burton and Steve Latart return as analysts, uh, Marty Snyder, Dave Burns and Kim Kuhn are the pit reporters. And yeah, you know, uh, NBC takes over the coverage. I know, you know, a lot NASCAR fans Equally passionate, you know, as far as their sport as some of the ones you you just described, and you know, some of them prefer the NBC coverage, others prefer Fox and so forth. But it's always interesting, you know, when you know they kind of that handoff from one network to the next. And then next weekend, it's something to keep an eye on: the inaugural Chicago Street Race for the NASCAR Cup Series. This is pretty wild stuff, you know. They're racing in the streets of downtown Chicago, and you know what a production that's going to be, you know that that'll be a, a week from this Sunday on July the 2nd and on NBC, while there's you know a bunch of baseball happening, you know on networks like Fox and ESPN this weekend, when you look at the college game and also this action in in London on on Fox and ESPN and so forth, on the NBC platforms, it's like a motorsports weekend. It's motorsports heaven if you're you're a you know a racing fan. Not only do you get these NASCAR races, Xfinity on Saturday, Cup Series on Sunday, uh, you also have the Six Hours of the Glen. I don't know if you're familiar with this event, uh, Mike, but up in Watkins Glen, New York, it's an endurance race of the sports cars. Uh, Lee Diffie will be uh, heading up that crew. And then over on CNBC, if you've never checked out MotoGP, which are the, Basically, the F1 of motorcycles, those guys who've been really, really close to the ground on those curves. You are know, like, how do they do that? You know, their knees about to touch the ground at 200 miles per hour. Uh, that'll be on CNBC. So, you know, NBC basically... just going crazy with racing this weekend, NBC, USA Network, Peacock, CNBC, you name it. And, uh, yeah, those racing fans will be able to get their fix this weekend. And you can go back and listen to our conversation with Rick Allen as he
1: described what it's like to call a race on Episode 7 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. USFL, they're in the playoffs. And, you know, the USFL, this is kind of where some... Uh, broadcasters kind of launched their careers and kind of got some, you know, their start and and now, um, you know, have got more notoriety, but they still have some big names calling these games.
0: Yeah. So the game on Saturday, which is the Michigan Panthers versus the Pittsburgh Maulers, a quick little shout out to head coach, Bill Kyatt, who's our football coach here at Brevard college in North Carolina. He's on that Pittsburgh Maulers staff. Well, 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC on Saturday night. That's in Canton, Ohio. Jock Collinsworth, Jason Garrett, and Zora Stevenson. Second year of that uh, Collinsworth-Garrett crew. And then Sunday is the last game of the season for USFL on Fox breakers and stallions in Birmingham haven't seen the official announcement but you know presumably it would be that number one team that we see Kurt Menefee, Joel Clatton, Brock Heward also want to mention Devin Gardner you know he's probably one of those guys who's sort of elevating his career in a lot of ways due to you know a bunch of reps uh, with the USFL and then next weekend Saturday July the 1st on NBC will be the championship game so hey year two of usfl seems like you know they're continuing to to pull off this product they changed some things this year as far as moving the games around beyond just having all the games in birmingham and you know we'll we'll see um you know if they uh go move on to a year three next year but you know it seems like it's working in that fox and nbc are, are probably getting you know for the most part what they're Hoping for here, you know, while being realistic at the same time.
1: Yeah, I think I was reading something that uh, the XFL and the USFL had essentially the same exact ratings. So, uh, you know, they're both kind of, you know, getting people to, to the television to watch it. And as we talked about earlier, really the only thing people are watching on TV are sports. So, hey, if you can get uh, 500 to a, th- a million people to the television to watch these games, You know, the next thing is, I guess everybody will start wondering, will they merge and make it one bigger league? Uh, Is that something that could be in the works?
0: You cannot underestimate the power of football, American football in in this country. And I saw a note from someone that said the following you know and granted it was a blowout right that that final clinching game of the the stanley cup when the golden knights blew out the the panthers yes it was a blowout i understand people you know tune away during a blowout but all that being said that game that nhl stanley cup clinching game over on um uh nbc or or yeah right nbc had the call um or or, excuse tnt TNT had the call for for that with Kenny Albert. That game had lower ratings than the pinstripe bowl. You know, who we can't even remember who the heck played in the no. pinstripe bowl. I've you been know, to a pinstripe.
1: Here's a side note for you. I've been to a pinstripe bowl. How about that?
0: <laughs> so I guess just what it says is, you know. <laughs> Football, which well, we know, what was you know, the was number? What,
1: yeah. The the so the XFL averaged six hundred and two thousand people, and the USFL averaged six hundred and four thousand people. So you're talking about over a half a million people were watching these games on average every single every single weekend. So it's not great, not horrible, but how many people even knew the leagues existed? You had one, and then they 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 kind of crossed over. The problem is, you know, the XFL was reported that they lost, like, $60 million. Can they hold on? You know, The Rock came out and kind of said they anticipate, you know, now that they lost $60 million, they think they can make $100 million in, in the next year. Can the USFL kind of keep this model? Do they merge? What happens here? Because if you put the two together, you know – um, and this is a whole other topic for another day, possibly. But you put the two together, does it become a more attractive product? Is like the Saudi, you know, like they did in golf, get involved and say, we would have put some money into this thing, and then we're going to start bidding on even higher profile players to come play in this league. You know, that could be something that has been talked about a lot. Like if, hey, if they've created the live golf league, why can't they just buy the XFL, the USFL, put them together and start saying, hey, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You want to come play in this league for a billion dollars? You know, could we be seeing something like that? So don't discount those leagues. And by the way, they've launched a lot of broadcasting. Jack Collinsworth, by the way, uh, he's doing the Notre Dame games uh, on NBC. So uh, that's kind of launched his career as well, all right. That A little was-
0: more, Mike, real quick on that that Penn Stripe Bowl note. I do want to give credit to Stuart Mandel, the outstanding college football writer, for pointing this out. Uh, the Stanley Cup Finals on TNT: two point seven two million, Game Five, and then two point seven five million. So it just edged it out the Minnesota Syracuse Penn Stripe Bowl. You know this this past. Year so yeah you know these numbers are are much bigger than what we're talking about with with the USFL and, and the XFL and, and that kind of thing but you know football still gets people's attention no doubt about it. All that being said, I can't say I watched too much of either league
1: this spring. No, and I said I wanted to try to get into it, and, and I just didn't. And that kind of you know brings us into uh, something else, another football league. Uh, a friend of mine passed away suddenly the other night. Uh, on uh, Tuesday night, I got a call. Uh, my friend Jason, he was known in this area as Coffee Jones, he was a broadcaster. He played in the Arena Football League, and uh, I you know, had him on my radio station. He was the Atlantic City Black Jacks uh, color commentator for their only year in existence. The league then folded, but he was the Philadelphia sole uh, analyst on the radio, on radio station 97.5, The Fanatic in Philadelphia. He had been a part of the Ivy League network. He's called games for Penn and Princeton and, you know, regional games, ESPN Plus on Temple Games. A friend of the podcast uh, who was a guest on Episode 50, Pat McCarthy, tweeted out the other night, you know, that he had worked with them. Um, I have called games with coffee. We did a bunch of games together. We actually hosted, uh, you know, a few years back. The Philadelphia Soul played an Arena League game in Atlantic City against the Vegas team, and it was supposed to be kind of an Atlantic City versus Vegas, and we did a whole pregame show at Chickies and Pete's, and the guy, I mean, if you met him for the first time, you felt like you knew the guy your whole entire life, and when I got the call the other night, uh, I could not believe what I was hearing. 41 years old, Coffee Jones, a great broadcaster too, full of life, versatile guy too, for an analyst, he did football For BFA Sports, for the Williamstown Braves football team, he did basketball for the Camden High Panthers, who are, you know, one of the top 10 programs this past two years in the country, Um, so a lot of high-profile basketball games. And I know he was beloved by the Camden Panthers, um, you know, uh, fans and the Williamstown fans and Um, you know, just sad news to hear that coffee Jones, just if you're an arena football league fan, first and foremost, we're talking about the XFL, the USFL, all these kind of, you know, offset leagues. If you are somebody who is familiar with the arena league, you know, the name coffee Jones.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the Ivy league as well. And you know, the, the Ivy league itself, you know, you know, sent out, um, you know, real uh, heartfelt message. You know, as far as uh, being saddened on the loss of of Jason coffey Jones, uh, the Penn Quakers. You know, um, Jones had been the color analyst of Penn football since 2017, and you know Ron Jaworski this morning also you know tweeting out that you know um, you know just how devastating this was for him. Um, I know you know Mike, you know you know. Jaws and and you know, how important Coffee Jones was to, you know, that operation over with, you know, uh, Jaworski and, and so forth. And, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, just overall how close these broadcasters and these crews, these production crews, you know, ESPN lost, you know, someone from the truck the other day. You know, just you spend all this time together, you know, not just the games, but all this free time, you know, going out to meals, production meetings, you know, phone calls you name it zoom calls you know you get to know these folks they become family and you know when there's a tragedy like this it it is shocking and it is you know saddening and and all these things and my condolences to you Mike and and all of Coffee Jones's uh friends and family. I mean he seemed like a a terrific guy, a great broadcaster and you know uh, just gone way too soon.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh Jaworski. Uh I had seen Coffee at the Super Bowl just a couple months ago uh because when you tried to get Jaworski on the show, you had to go through Coffee. He was his business manager and as you mentioned, Jaw's tweeted out about an hour ago he said earlier this week my world was shattered as i received the devastating news of the sudden passing of my dear friend jason coffee jones your impact on my life and the lives of those around you will never be forgotten thank you for being my friend and my brother and uh you know i I said i dealt with coffee and and not only did i broadcast games with him but just hey you know is jaws available to come on the radio today um you know he kind of ran a lot of things for he was a smart guy innovative guy you know we carried the blackjack games on the radio here. And, you know, local radio, things can go haywire. Connection problems. We're not connecting. They don't have Internet service. You know, and coffee would just you know, go to his book bag and pull out a wire and, you know, hey, let's do it uh, on Facebook. You know, we'll, and we'll use the Facebook feed or, or you know, he, he, he always – a challenge was not a challenge to him. He, he, he found it out. We did a lot of things together. And, and, you know, it's funny. I was doing my radio show over at Ocean Casino one day. And I'm just sitting there, and here comes strolling Coffee Jones through the casino, and hey, Mike, you know, big bear hug. And it's just unbelievable that 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 news came down. But we're thinking about Coffee, and he was a great broadcaster as well, and someone who, you know, touched, uh, you know, me anyway uh, here. And uh, for those of you out there, again, in in the Ivy League or the Arena Football League, you know uh, who Coffee Jones was. So we appreciate giving us a couple minutes to be able to to, to talk about coffee. All right, there we go. Episode 53 is in the books. Go back and listen to Kate Scott last week. Uh, she was excellent on the podcast. And if you like Kate Scott, you might like our conversation with Mark Zumoff or uh, also Tom McGinnis, people who have ties to the 76ers. We also talked Uh, Back in the day, or back in the day, back in the early stages of our podcast, uh, we had great broadcasters on like Barry Tompkins and Roxy Bernstein and Kevin Kugler and Larry Colmas and Bob Wischusen. If you like those kind of conversations, give us a five-star rating. Rate, review, subscribe to the announcer schedules podcast here on last word on sports and of course you get three podcasts on the feed tj reeves whose conversation with jt the brick is up now and of course tell me a story i don't know with george offman always brings you fantastic conversations with chicago based personalities all right 53 wrapping it up for phil i'm mike this has been the announcer schedules podcast on last word on sports